Hi, thank you for listening to this episode of the Following Films Podcast, a movie podcast that takes you on a weekly journey into the world of cinema and the minds of the talented individuals who shape it. I'm your host, Chris Maynard, and today we're joined by Girl with Dragon Tattoo director, Niles Arden Oplev, to discuss his film, Rose. And after the break, I chat with director John Trengrove about his film, Mandrum. Rose tells the story of two sisters and how their relationship is challenged on a highly anticipated coach bus trip to Paris. The film stars Sophie Grapple in a performance that is worthy of an Academy Award nomination. Mandrome is centered on Ralphie, a young man played by Jesse Eisenberg, who's wrestling with outside forces and the demons within when he meets mysterious family of men who welcome him in as one of their own. As Ralphie struggles to define himself, pressure mounts and a powder cake is lit that will blow a hole in the lives of everyone he touches. Joining Eisenberg is an all-star cast, including Academy Award winner Adrian Brody and the unforgettable Odessa Young. Mandrome is a thrilling film about one man's discovery that there is nowhere to hide from yourself. But before we dive into both interviews, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. Bookman's is your go-to independent bookstore where you can find an extensive selection of books, movies, music, and so much more. They truly believe in the power of storytelling and in the magic of the cinematic arts. So if you're looking to expand your film, music, or book collection, be sure to visit your nearest Bookman's. There's always something truly wonderful to uncover. Have you followed the Following Films podcast on Spotify? If you have, well, thank you. If you haven't, head on over to Spotify Search for Following Films and give us a follow. It really does help the show. And if you'd like to support the show by becoming a paid subscriber, you can go to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash following films slash support. And if for some reason you didn't catch that, you can find the link in the show notes. Mandrome is in theaters now and Rose will open in select theaters on November 15th. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, how are you today? Very good. Very good. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, of course. I, I was absolutely floored by the movie. Um, there's When you take on a subject matter like this, um, I tend to avoid films about <laughs> mental illness because a lot of times I find them patronizing and insulting. Um, this is a very difficult subject to handle, and I think you did a beautiful job of making an honest portrayal of this family and it's just a beautiful little story and could you just talk about um what led you to take on this project well you know um uh, i don't know if you're aware about but of course uh, the, these two women are inspired by my real sister yeah and i think that i that i in all my professional life has had this thought about that sooner or later I would write something about uh, my older sister, whose uh, real name is Maren Elizabeth, uh, a place that, that is Inga is inspired by. And, uh, but I never really, I never really found the right vehicle for, for writing about it, uh, because I mean, I didn't want to write an illness story. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, and uh, then it so happens that, uh, you know, I think like 
know, eight years ago or something, I was on a trip with an old friend of mine that's known my sisters and me and my family for for half a century. And uh, and we were talking about uh, how Mon Elizabeth was doing. And then for some reason, we got into talking about this in our family famous trip to Paris, where my so-called normal sister and her husband took Mon Elizabeth back to France when she was in her late 40s. Um, and, uh, you know, to experience uh, France, uh, where she hadn't been since she was young and, and ill and became ill. And, uh, and uh, you know, suddenly in this conversation, my friend just says to, right, right out of the blue, why don't you make a film about that? And the minute he said it, I knew it was a good idea. And I had never thought about it myself, not even when we were talking about it. And it's highly unusual for my brain uh, not to think about it because I basically am always thinking about what I can turn into a story. Yeah. So, so uh, and then I started writing with the material. And I think that the, the scene that really got me going from real life is the scene where she reopens the museum. And I think that's, that scene is uh, kind of like a key to the whole film in, in a way. And, uh, and then I was like, uh, you know, of course, interviewing my, both my sisters and my brother-in-law about, and my brother-in-law showed up to have a very, very good memory about what happened on this trip and people who were on the bus. Um, so him and, and Kirsten, my, uh, Kirsten, she's called in Scandinavian, but that, that is, uh, the inspiration for Ellen. Um, they really, gave me a good fundament. I still have, I still have a, a several hour long interview with them about everything that happened. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then I kind of like uh, nominated uh, Kirsten as my ambassador. She was like the ambassador for Mon Elizabeth because uh, naturally I don't trust myself uh, as a writer that, uh, you know, I just want to write what's the most effectful and best for the film. And that might not be what's best for my, mentally ill sister so and i basically kind of wrote a draft a year for like five years um and um and i think at that time the man elizabeth started remembering more and more about the trip uh even though she of course is has been on medication medication for 40 years so hmm. So, so that's how it kind of came about and uh and the first draft had no plot at all, except for the buster, it was basically, uh, and slowly it kind of gained a plot. But I will say that most people didn't understand the script at all. And, uh, and I can't tell you how many people told me that, oh, I'm only we're only investing in this because it's you. Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, they just could they just I don't think they. And the funny thing is that all the actors understood the script instantly. <laughs> But the people who normally read to see, is this going to sell tickets or does this work as a film? They, they didn't think much was happening, right? And, <laughs> and there wasn't that much happening. I mean, but, but, uh, and the other thing that kind of happened is that I really set out to write a, a quite serious and what I thought was going to be quite dry film. And then every time Inga opened her mouth, she said, set or created something funny situation, absurdly comical. And it actually became a, a real issue for me. I was talking to my 
script consultant and my producer and even my sister, my other sister about it with says I, you know, this film just becomes funnier and funnier. And I, I mean, it's, it's inappropriate. I mean, I'm writing about mental illness. Mm. Uh, of course, my producer thought it was great, but, but I mean, in the end, I kind of surrendered to that Inga had her own life and that the film would have this element of it. And I was just kind of hoping that, that people would, you know, uh, acknowledge that uh, you know I, I honestly felt it as a enormous artistic risk to yeah. to portray such a serious subject in such a you know warm-hearted and kind of humorous matter and i think some of it comes from that in in the old like in the old viking roots of denmark that that i come from up in the north you know far outside any city there still is that kind of dark humor that are, you know, death-defying humor. Like, uh, I mean, if you're faced where you have to die, you go out with a joke, you know? Yeah. So there is that kind of like, life is rough, but you fucking got to make the best out of it and that kind of stuff. So I think that somehow has influenced the the writing of it. But, but I mean, um, yeah, uh, that was, of course, a big issue about whether you know, how would the audience see this and would they would they laugh with her and not of her? And yeah. of course the, the biggest issue would would this end up being a good experience for, for my mentally suffering sister? Well there's there's two different types of humor that are in the film and I think they're very honest. Um, which is what it comes down to in the end, where you have moments where she's intentionally being funny. And then you have moments that there's where she just the way she says, right. It's not that she's trying to be funny, but every time she would do it, it was just this dismissive tone that was, it's just unintentionally wonderful. And I, you know, as a father of a seven-year-old autistic boy, um, there are plenty of times when he is absolutely intentionally fucking hilarious. And then there's other times where he is just as funny and he's not meaning to be and it's just and we're all like that and i think that's there's times when all of us are funny when we don't mean to be and we're not in on the joke in that exact moment but i don't think the film is laughing at her which is the key difference there no i don't think so either because i mean i i've seen this became the most seen drama last year in danish cinema against everybody's expectations you know <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean which is uh, still remarkable and now it's kind of like as a sleeper hit kind of moving from country to country but i think i do think the film is unique and i think it has a lot to offer for people who has any any touch points with mental illness or, or who has struggled with mental illness yeah. i have never in my career, in my 30-year-long career, ever gotten that many emails from people who has tracked me down somehow and written to me uh, that, you know, and this is from people that has struggled with mental illness or are still struggling with it, and they they write that this film has given them a voice. And they are people who are, who has been talked down to and who's not counted as you know talked over the head and condescending and what they used to not being counted as a real person or or as much a person as everybody else so so it in that sense it's it's been quite um a success in that sense it's well, a, yeah. I, I think the film really a lot more than 
most films, the casting of this thing has to be spot on. Um, cause if you put this material in the wrong hands, not, not, not just the director, not the writer, everything. I mean, all that stuff is always very, very important, but if you don't have the performances right here, all that falls flat and completely changes the nature of this film and yeah. your Inger, she's, she's so goddamn good, man. She's incredible in this. And it's just, I was floored by this performance and, and everybody here. I mean, you have top to bottom, you have a great cast here. Yeah, I'm, I'm Sophie Grovel, of course, is a very big star in, yeah. in Scandinavia and, and known mostly outside Denmark from the killing. The killing, yeah, I know, I know the killing. So. I'm, I'm uh, honestly trying to start a grassroots movement to get Sophie nominated for a real Oscar, like for it's not, not, legitimately not. one of my favorite performances this year. I'm, I'm not just blowing <laughs> smoke. It's, it's she's so, she's so, so good. I'm actually in the process of submitting the film. Uh, good. It is eligible because it will run in, in New York and Los Angeles in the cinema. So I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> but maybe from word of mouth. I mean, I know she deserves it. Yes, that's for sure. Because she is outstanding in this film and the chances that her and I took and uh, and she would say to me I've never acted this this huge my since <laughs> are so big and I'm like well you know <laughs> you know you're not playing a normal character you're playing a character that goes from joy to deep angst in a matter of seconds yeah and uh, and you have to forget everything about uh, finding a red thread and just being in the moment it's a it's a different acting than what you've ever done before. And, and uh, I mean, we did takes that were, of course, more expressionistic and less, but all the big takes is what's in the film. Well, it's the way it's, it's, she does things that are very broad here, obviously, but there's also very small internal moments. And there's the, there's a physicality that she has here that this is not a, very, I, I think sometimes the really big, broad performances can be a little bit easier because you have all these things to hang yeah. your hat on. But here, it's such a vulnerable performance, man. It's yeah. just, it's really incredible stuff. Yeah. It is. So, your Andres, uh, also like the, the foe here, I think that that could be an easily one note character. And I think that he manages to bring a, yeah, a, a, a really, strong humanity to this character that on the page could definitely be the villain of this piece. And I think there is something there that is, there's this uncomfortable thing that's going on that I think is very realistic in the way that outsiders often view people with mental yeah. illness. And I think it's really important to have that in this film. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I think the film, you know, leads you gradually to understand that there's an angst underneath his, there's a fear, a strong fear of, of unnormalcy un and yeah. maybe uh, a fear that he himself could carry it or his son could carry it, would develop into some to be the same mental illness as Inger. So, so I mean, it, 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 I think it's very relatable. He he is a relatable character, and and that's why it's so important that he. Um, uh, and uh, there's moments in the film that's not even in a script that like. For instance, in the bus when she sings, there's a moment where their eyes suddenly locked. Yeah, he, and he became emotional, like he's actually uh, emotional, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And uh, it's a beautiful moment. And and Søren, who is a gifted actor that plays Andreas, I mean, they're all gifted. Yes, he, he kind of said to me, w "Would it be interesting if he's actually 
became emotional in this moment. And I said, you know, go knock yourself out. <laughs> you know, I, I always, I always shoot another take. If yeah, I, I call that the the gifts that these actors bring. And I mean, a lot of these actors, nearly all of them, are people I have worked with in Denmark on on previous projects and throughout my careers. You know, even though I work mostly in America now, I I go back and kind of define and reset my own sanity and shoot. Makes sense. Where I have finally got an absolute control over the casting and all of that, and where the producers are my dear advisors, and it functions really well. <laughs> and where you can make a smaller but where the stakes are so much higher film. Yeah. Um, Cause I, to me, like there is, there's the sense of dread that I feel in a movie like this is by far greater than anything else you've done to date, you know? And yeah. it, it's, it's really, there's just a, there's a place for every type of film, of course, but there is a sad lacking of films like this, of a, movie that was made for an adult that's a thoughtful quiet movie that just is something that's introspective and you leave the film and the conversations that you would have walking out of the cinema after seeing something like this this is just the kind of movie we we need more of for sure i mean i've had a lot of people uh you know of the probably 1000 people that have seen it so far in america many of them told me that they have never been so emotional engaged yeah, where that that they have with Rose, and it's literally from frame one. It, it's just her sitting there with the comb in her hair is such an evocative image to start this movie on that it just pulls you in because you have this patience in that moment of yeah. showing her thoughts and her memories going through in this moment and just what the hell is going on and it's just something that yeah I, it just from yeah. frame one right till the end I was all in. It's also not so normal for people to lie down in their bed and try to comb the hair. The True. <laughs> so there's that oddness to it, <laughs> which is really something my sister did one time. I came to pick her up for some family party or something, and she was lying down in her bed combing her hair, and I was like, this is amazing. And I immediately went back and wrote it in. <laughs> I always say, you know, I said to the audience, you know, don't ever confess something that that's private to you to a writer you know or because i mean even though the writer says yeah i'll never use that he's he's a he or she is absolutely lying and it will come up it will end up on the screen so if you don't want it to go public it's like kind of like saying a secret is not a secret when two people know about it right Proof. and it, that's how it is with writers they'll fucking just use everything those bastards <laughs> You know, but in the end, when it when it ends up working and it and it doesn't feel like yeah. it's um, exploitation, have at it. You know that yeah. that we really should see our secrets exposed in yeah. good film. I mean, you know, I I do think that Rose is a, is like a mirror to our soul soul in some sense, and and I'm very proud of the film. Oh, and as as well, you should be. I mean, to take a line about strangulation and make that an emotional core of the film that literally like gets me to almost tears of joy at the end of the film is so fucking beautiful, man. Like I just, it was pitch perfect. I loved it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is, you know, 
that is quite daring, I would say. I mean, that's that's the only thing I think that maybe nobody has really understood that I felt that artistically it was like an enormous chance to to make a film that's so uh, embracing and warm and humorous uh, about the subject matter uh, instead of making a more like depressing artsy, yeah, uh, you know. Um, but they, but I, I, I think that people once they see it, I don't know. I don't think anybody really think about it. But for me, that was an that that felt like an enormous challenge that could go either way. You know, well, isn't that kind of the point of the movie? Though I know we're almost out of time, but it to me that my takeaway was not about Rose's arc, which there's clearly there's an arc here um, that we see throughout it, but it's really how the world responds to her is really the movement that we see in this film. And it's how the family takes her in and accepting her and meeting her where she is, is what it's about. And there's a little internal translation that you have to do with her. And that, that to me, the, you talked about the key that unlocked the film. It was really when she's on the riverbank smoking the joint. And it's when she's talking about um, the idea that when I say, don't come, you should visit me. Yeah. That kind of thing. And it's just it literally getting goosebumps thinking about that moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. It's just such a universal truth that we all go yeah. through. It's very funny. I'll tell you something about that moment. We ended up under the bridge because it was raining and we were shooting in St. Mark's. And of course, in our schedule, we shoot no matter what the fuck the weather is, right? Because we had no money. So um, so, so, so uh, we moved them in under the bridge. They were supposed to sit on the Canal de Saint Marks in mm-hmm. Paris, and we moved in under the bridge. And to say how fantastic uh, uh, actress Sophia is in the film, she's holding a cup of coffee, and as yeah. she is running, she's in the character. A big water drop falls into her coffee, and she's kind of just looking at it, taking a sip, and then kind of, and she doesn't break character for a moment. That the drop of water becomes part of her strange universe. Uh-huh. And I looked at that and I was like, she, she is uh, unique. She, this is an outstanding performance. Oh, for sure. It, it's my uh, grassroot movement to get her nominated on Oscar might, might pay off. I mean, I, I, I think the, the, you just got to get people to see it because the work speaks for itself. Honestly, yeah. it's just, it's, I don't think you have to do a lot of campaigning. You just got to get people to see it. And it's because it'll, people will be on board. So it's a hell of a film, man. Congratulations. I, I hope there's there's more like this to come. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank All right. Well, thank you. And take care and best of luck. I, if I, I will definitely do whatever power I have to join their grassroots campaign. Well, that is exactly what I need to hear. Thank <laughs> you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. You as well. Take care. Thank you so much. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So the last time I went into Bookman's, I went straight over to the movie section as I often do. And I was so excited because one of my favorite things that happens when I go in there, I'm looking for a movie and I don't know exactly what I want to see, something I've been meaning to see and there's a blind spot. And when I saw East of Eden, I was super excited because it's a movie I've been wanting to see for years. But for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. So the film adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden, it's a powerful cinematic achievement. I I know I'm not the first person to say this, but 
it absolutely does justice to the novel's what can only be described as profound themes and the complex characters. It's directed by uh, Kazan and features outstanding performances uh, from the whole cast, but mainly here by James Dean as uh, Cal Trask. The film captures the essence of the book while adding its own visual and emotional dimension. Uh, the cinematography, which looks absolutely incredible in 4K, captures the rugged beauty of the California landscape. So it sets the stage for this intense family drama that unfolds throughout the film. And the screenplay manages to condense this complex novel that is East of Eden without feeling truncated. It makes this really intricate plot, takes that and then just condenses it down and really only gets the essential elements of it. And all the themes are still intact with love, jealousy, and the struggle between good and evil. That's all there. And it doesn't feel like a lesser than. It feels like a compliment to. Um, if you've read East of Eden and haven't seen the film, definitely catch up on it. Highly recommend it. If you've only seen the film and haven't read the book, definitely check out the book as well. It's worth your time. Uh, but in the movie, James Dean's portrayal of the troubled cow, it's nothing short of iconic. Uh, it showcases his raw talent and charisma. The supporting cast is also incredible, especially Julie Harris, I think does an equally compelling job here um, with just an outstanding performance. And there's a depth and authenticity to these characters that wasn't very common for this time. So it's something pretty remarkable here. Uh, East of Eden, it's absolutely a classic that continues to resonate uh, to this day, still holds up. Um, I think that's mainly because of its exploration of human nature and the complexity of family dynamics. It's a timeless masterpiece that deserves a place in the annals of cinematic history. I, I think it's there. It just took me a long time to catch up with it. Uh, this is a must-watch for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional performances. So remember, next time you go to Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, John, how are you today? Hey, Chris, nice to meet you. You as well. You as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, just got to say, this was a lovely, just the perfect date film. You can just cur curl up on the couch and watch this with a significant other and just have a, have a great time without a single awkward conversation afterwards. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, 100%. <laughs> it's it's a you know it's about making your own family essentially right <laughs> uh, no, so don't. no but this is uh i i was genuinely surprised with this film um the i've never seen i've always appreciated uh, jesse eisenberg as a performer but i have never found him to be scary in anything i've really seen before i've found him to be uh possibly intimidating in his motivations at times and he could be unnerving but this was he actually has a physical presence that's intimidating in this film and he is such a smart performer and so great in this role what made you think of him in this unlikely casting um you know i, I mean i couldn't agree more just a phenomenal talent and just a, a high point in my career to be to have worked with somebody like this um you know <clears throat> when i when i wrote the part i was um I was imagining something very different. Um, my mantra was, I'm right. I'm describing the kind of guy that I would cross the road to avoid. Mm. And um, 
and then you know as things developed there was this idea of like this the soft side of ralphie the the part of ralphie that he is um at at war with at odds with um that he's trying to get away from and it sort of occurred to us i think early on in the casting process that it, it might be interesting to sort of go cast another kind of actor entirely and as soon as that conversation happened jesse's name came up i think almost immediately and it was just this sort of very rapid series of events got the script to jesse jesse read it we were dialoguing two days later um and he just got it he got it and he i think he responded in the same way he responded in the same way that that in the same kind of way that i was writing the script which is that this is somebody that i am terrified of and mm -hmm. and so i'm trying to understand trying to get closer trying to you know paint some kind of picture and and he was he was right there he was sort of on the same um trajectory um so it was you know it was just a it was a fantastic um journey with him uh endless conversations that we had about who this character is and where he comes from and where he comes from you know in me and how you know where we find these kind of people in the world <clears throat> but he he jumped in he was he was so dedicated so um serious about uh transforming um and sort of fearless in uh just being just throwing himself into into the role and into the rationality of the role uh again just endless respect for jason well, it, oh he, he does such a it some of it's the script level and some of it is a performance here but there's all these it seems like every choice that this character makes along this journey is the wrong choice any time that you have a moment where you think there's going to be redemption it's either the rug is slowly or immediately pulled out from under and i think a lot of that is in the way that jesse is playing this some of it is the preconceptions that we have of him as a performer that in fact the film is telegraphing us a much sooner who he is um and i think we assume more lightness because of him and the way that he's playing it and the darkness that's there it really does take a little bit more time for the film to fully reveal that, even though it's been showing you the whole time that it's there. You just don't want to necessarily believe it, I think. Right. Yeah, I think um, absolutely, you know, it's it's surprising and, and shocking to see him in this kind of uh, vehicle. Um, and I, I loved how he just had this kind of inner life, um, you know, so there's a lot that we don't understand about the character. We we get a glimpse into his how he's sort of struggling with his humanity, and we understand the pressures that are acting on him, and we have a sense of his background. But in every scene, there's just this this world that he's carrying around with him that uh, is just fascinating. You know, you can't stop can't stop watching. And I do love that none of the um, that internal war, none of it is simple. It's not one thing that the film hangs its hat on and says, okay, this is the reason this character ended up this way. A lot of it is left for the viewer to project into it and sort of extrapolate information from what we're seeing and saying, okay, it's this idea, this part of himself that has been repressed or this part of himself that he's denied or this part that was damaged and hurt. And it's it's just all of these things. This is a, I mean, this is a Travis Bickle-esque character that you're utterly frightened by, but engaged by the whole time. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that that idea of not of not explaining Ralphie was was a, was a big part of you know making this film and also editing the film. You know, m- making decisions around <clears throat> omitting certain scenes and and you know limiting our kind of understanding of what his trajectory was, um, simply because I it would be too easy to say oh men who behave like this, you know, it's because of a, an absent parent or because, you know, I, I, it's not that. So often these insane acts of violence are committed by seemingly perfectly ordinary people. And so that maintaining a certain kind of elusivity, I think, was was important. And can you talk a little bit about the casting of the rest of the, I guess, uh, the men in the film as well. Um, just these other characters that are going through a similar struggle, but they come from wildly different backgrounds and you don't ex- again, explain exactly where they're coming from, but you get the feeling that they all had their unique experiences that led them to this particular uh, a cult, I guess. I don't, I don't know what you want to call this, this group, but I, I don't want to put it in a kind light, but it's just, yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think, you know, it was incredibly stimulating casting the sort of um, supporting cast. There's just such a wealth of talent uh, yeah. in the, the region we were casting in. And um, <clears throat> I think it became an exercise of just keeping people as as sort of disparate and diverse as possible um, and not to, not to kind of limit this type of experience to a certain kind of person, hmm. uh, <clears throat> but rather to to take these radical ideas and normalize them, uh, present them in a sort of softer, bougie kind of domesticated context. Um, Because I think that's kind of what's frightening about the world is the way in which extreme ideas find their way to to the mainstream, to the center. Um, So, so yeah, I think in answer to your question, it was about resisting certain tropes and embracing the opposite um yeah well you can see that there's uh the motivations are so wildly different amongst every one of these characters that has landed in this position um that you some of them i think you immediately have a little bit more sympathy for than others and you can just kind of project that into them but at the end this is all I, i think the film does arrive at the idea in the end that these are people that had they're damaged people that arrived at this philosophy as a way of protecting themselves that they were vulnerable at some point in their lives. And there is a cost to being vulnerable. It does hurt. Um, you can, you can be damaged when that happens, but disengaging from that vulnerability, I think is by far more dangerous than getting hurt emotionally. And to me, that's kind of the takeaway of this film in the end. Absolutely. That's great. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about, um, the idea of this domestic couple because there's there's moments where you see them in a light that is kind of fun and you know i think of the the moment with the tape on the face and it's that's kind of to me that's the the reality of this character and who he sort of is in his natural state he's just this goofy kid but he's decided that he has to build himself up physically and build up these walls around him and who who he really is it's kind of a mystery, but at the same time, it's this, he, the vulnerability that he has to have with his partner. And she is such a great 
scene partner for him where the, the, their mm-hmm. interactions with one another are just absolutely wonderful. This film could have headed a dozen different directions. And really at the end of it, I just wanted to see more of them, you know, spending time mm-hmm. together because their relationship was just utterly fascinating, if not terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, again, Odessa's, Odessa Young is just a dream. Yeah. I think there's so much more coming from her. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I, th- I think the, the, this relationship was really about two people who found each other essentially when they were children, um, children without support, children without parents and found each other and sort of raised each other, became each other's support system. And then at a certain point, you know, Sal is ready to move on, to, to grow, to evolve. Um, and, and finds herself in a in a situation with a guy who um is not willing or is not able to to grow with her um so there is a there is a kind of tragedy at the heart of their relationship as well as a memory of uh better times um so yeah i'm i'm glad you i'm glad you got all of that well it i just it's hard to say i wouldn't say that this is a like I deeply enjoyed this movie and it's one that I'm really excited to hear the conversations that are inspired by it. Cause I think this is something that goes beyond um, just the sexual and relationship politics of this. The speaker speaks to much larger issues that we have as a society and a world at whole The you know, you can think about the way this is entering into every element of our politics right now in our general discourse that it's just, I'm excited to have these conversations and to see filmmakers that are working within the space because it's something we need to have these conversations. And um, I I don't, I'm looking forward to a day, hopefully when a film like this won't be as relevant as it is right now. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, John. I really do appreciate it. I could go on for hours about this thing because I I really did dig it, man. You got, you got something really special here and uh, yeah. And Ethan also just did a great job here. He's so, so wonderful yeah. in the movie. He's one of those things. He's just like this perfect spice that anytime I see him in something, it's just a, ah, okay. This is, he's just done some incredible work in the last couple of years over his whole career, but really he's grown into something really pretty unique. Couldn't agree more. Fantastic guy. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. And uh, best of luck on this, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun. All the best. Yeah. You too. Take care, man. Thank you.
always crack.